0: Hello, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Cole, and I'm going
1: to be talking about taking a hike in wintertime.
2: This is Beth, and I'm going to be talking about the quiet of winter. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about Mardi Gras.
0: And this is Randy, and I will be talking about the legend of Paul Bunyan. So welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast. As always, we start out with our holiday happenings. Does anyone have any holiday happenings for the week?
3: I do. Yes. Good job. (laughs)
0: Continue.
3: We just yesterday bought the new Grinch movie on DVD. This is created by Illuminations and it was very fun. I watched it last night. It was as cute (laughs) as when I saw it in theaters.
0: It's a very cute movie. Yes. A couple other holiday happenings that I know of. I noticed at stores this week, Valentine's Day merchandise was already at 50% off. Sweet! So it quickly moved to 50% and next up in the aisle is St. Patrick's Day items. Very fun! The other thing is that there is another winter storm coming. So some of our topics are winter related and there is another winter storm coming to our area.
2: And I actually have one too that I forgot about. Oh, okay. Yesterday, I believe, was National Pizza Day. It was
0: National Pizza Day.
2: And we went out and had pizza with our friends Eric and Trish. So we all were honoring National Pizza Day yesterday. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Appropriately. Right.
0: With pizza. And I think you two had pizza the day before. We did. Yep. So
2: you were yeah.
3: pre-partying. It was yeah. Pizza Day Eve.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs>
0: And the last one I had was we finally took down our last two Christmas trees. We kept them up a little bit longer because one was kind of winter-related.
2: Oh, It was very winter-related. It was sparkly and <laughs> white and blues and
0: And the other one that was upstairs was just one that you liked. <laughs> you didn't want <laughs> yeah. it to go down, I think. So. It's just
2: the one in our bedroom. So
0: they finally went down for the season. Yep. So with that, we'll move on to our topics for the week.
1: And the first of those is taking a hike in winter.
2: Every time you say taking a hike, it makes me think, take a hike.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So just to be clear, I mean the physical act of taking a hike, not uh, the insult. But not everybody likes taking a hike, and even if you do take a hike, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to want to do one in winter. But I enjoy it. I think that it can be very fun to go and enjoy sort of a winter landscape and walk around in it. Like taking a hike in the middle of summer, there's definitely a few things that you have to keep in mind when you are taking a hike in wintertime.
0: Like what? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> Jumping ahead a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>, sorry. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Figured out that <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say things. <laughs> so, the article that I'm looking at now is about a few safe and comfortable winter hiking tips. And that's from Matador Network, and that's an article by Haley January. But the first is to dress like an onion. Ah. Yeah, there's a saying in Quebec that's Sibylle comme un onion, which means dress like an onion. Which I
0: guess makes sense for Quebec. That makes me think that in Shrek, they talked about. But he oh. was he was like an onion. He was, he was like yes, yes like but an onion. Didn't Donkey say why can't we be like chocolate cake rather than like onions? Because chocolate right. cake has layers too. And <laughs> <Yes>. they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and there's right.
2: frosting on top of them. I agree. And, with and when donkey. you make
0: them,
1: it has peanut butter frosting Frosty. on the inside and all kinds oh, of, of so yeah, both are layers. Just, yep, great things. So it's important to not just have layers of. Warm clothing, but layers of clothing that's breathable underneath all of your jackets so you don't get too hot, which is, weirdly enough, a possibility when you're out hiking because your body temperature is going to go up because you're moving so much. So you need to be able to shed clothes? Right. You need to be able to shed clothes if you need to and to have breathable clothes underneath your heavier clothes.
2: So it's not too insulated So it's not
1: too insulated. And it all depends on... What kind of temperatures we're talking about, obviously, you can, can pad up a little more if you're in, say, St. Paul weather, right? where it's you know, negative what,
0: 20s? 20s. Sometimes. So the other thing I heard about with the shedding of clothes is that marathon runners, when they start out in the cold, they'll buy clothes that they don't want to keep. -hmm. In local stores, and then when they shed them, because it could be miles behind, you know, they're not going to go gather up all their clothes. They actually just throw their clothes as they get warmer and warmer. They toss them on the side, and then the you know some groups like when they do this at Disney, they gather those clothes up and wash them and take them to local shelters and give them to groups that need them, but. Obviously, in this case, if you're on a hike by yourself, you're not going to leave your clothes behind. You want to put them in your backpack or somewhere.
1: Yeah. That is really cool, though. So there's a couple of places on your body that are really important to keep warm. And one of those is your feet. It's what you're going to be walking with. So you definitely want to put extra layers on your feet. Maybe worry a little less about shedding clothes off of your feet. Uh, Gloves are another important thing. If you need to access food, other safety equipment, things like that, you want to be able to use your fingers effectively. So maybe a couple layers of gloves if you need to, hand-fitting
0: gloves, and then something like mittens. Yeah, the interesting thing about your hands and your feet, is that you don't want to overly constrict them even as you're putting layers on. Right. So you want to buy, you know, you put on a pair of socks, and this is what I did when I went to St. Paul. I had oversized socks then that I put over the, the regular size socks before I put them into my boots. Yeah. yeah. So if you're going to double up on something like
1: gloves, definitely have something maybe a little more hand fitting when, for your first layer and then something much larger for right. your second layer.
2: I never actually thought about putting gloves on and then mittens. Because I love mittens, but I don't use them much because...
0: Right, you can't grip with them. Right. Right. But if
2: I could scoot the mitten off just to do something and I still had a light glove on and put the mitten back, that's a really good idea.
1: Yeah, and that's the important thing because when you take your mitten off, you don't want to expose your hands directly to the environment necessarily. Especially if you're somewhere high up that maybe has a lot of winds. So the next tip is to uh, start small and start early especially if it's your first winter hike or if it's your first winter hike for the season. Even if it's a trail, going less distance on a trail that you want to go more on next time, it's important to just keep it realistic and sort of ease yourself into it, especially if you're not familiar with hiking in the winter time, You want to start early so you don't risk colder temperatures once the sun goes down.
2: Or getting stranded out there. Or getting
1: stranded out there. And in a lot of cases, you want to pick some place that has a lot of elevation, which can sound unusual, but it's very good for getting your blood going if you're climbing up something consistently. And then you get sled down. (laughs) Right. If you you want to lug a sled up. That's true. That would be a little
2: scary.
1: Well, it's a little difficult. For us in this area, because all of our upwards hiking trails are very tree, right? And And, rock oriented. Tree (laughs) and rock oriented. Cliff (laughs) oriented. And cliff oriented. (laughs) A lot of cliffs. Yeah. A lot of cliffs around here. So you want to make sure that you bring safety gear, basic tools like pocket knives or multi-tools, hand warming packets. If you're going to be out sort of more in the wilderness... And if you're going to be out with multiple people, it's a good idea to split items up between your group members so so each person isn't bogged down with items. And then there's a lot of other sort of common sense things that you need to sort of be aware of. Checking the weather is a big thing before you go out. You want to make sure that it's a clear day. Don't try to go and hike when it is snowing, especially if it's snowing hard because you're putting yourself in a situation where It's just going to get harder and harder and potentially more dangerous as you're going up and then down.
0: Because your visibility is going to decrease. Your visibility
1: is going to decrease. Depending on how long you're out there, how much snow there is is going to increase. Your footing could be affected. Your footing, you're going to lose your footing.
3: Yeah, it'll get really slippery out there.
1: Then there's other things like taking something hot with you in a thermos. Or taking something warm with you. Because you don't want to shock your body by putting something very hot into your system, necessarily. It's like, sort of, when your hands are cold, you don't want to run hot water over them. So you can bring hot water with you. It'll probably cool down a little bit over the course of your hike. Again, depending on how long you want to be out there. And then, be prepared to turn around if you need to. Like, it's great to set goals for yourself. You want to make sure that you're okay sort of enjoying a shorter hike than you may have originally wanted.
0: Those are all good points.
1: So just a couple of other things. The snacks that you bring should be able to be eaten on the trail as you're moving because you generally don't want to stop when you're hiking in the winter because, again, you want to be moving, you want to be
0: warm and get your blood flowing. So it's better to slow down if you need to, to kind of manipulate the snack than to stop. Well, it's like when you're out running,
1: because you don't want to stop completely. You just want to slow down, maybe to sort of a walk or something like that. Right, but keep moving. But keep moving, so Mm -hmm. you keep your... Yeah, It's a
0: really good point. I hadn't really thought about that before, but to think about ahead of time what snacks with gloves on could you manipulate and get open to take.
1: Right, like something smaller like uh granola bars and things like that right because you don't necessarily want to have a bag of something yeah. that you have to reach into and eat right because you're not going to be able to do that effectively and you're going to get like little bits of
0: things all over your gloves right you could get something that was really long like a long twizzler right yeah. or, a, or a churro <laughs> right a really really long churro a really
1: long churro yeah that's a good oh, idea
2: a warm churro
1: a warm long churro yes. yep. <laughs> oh,
2: by the time you got to
3: the end and then unless it warmed in something
1: i feel like i'd probably eat it in the first two minutes or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's safe to be warm yeah it's it's probably safe to be warm <laughs> and then the last thing that i'm just going to mention is the importance of keeping your head warm we talked mm-hmm. about gloves and we talked about boots and socks and your feet and everything But you're going to lose a lot of heat through your head, so you want to make sure that you're wearing a hat or some kind of head protection when you're out. I know that I don't like to do this because because I don't generally like hats, but it's something that you have to keep in mind, and you have to sort of make yourself do, even if you aren't a big fan
0: of things on your head. So in St. Paul, what I did was I not only made sure I had two layers of hats, like a form-fitting stocking hat and then a hood hat to protect from the wind, but I also had kind of like a hoodie on so that my mouth and nose could be covered when I wanted them to be covered. Mm-hmm. Because depending on how cold it is, the wind can make your eyes water and can make your your nose either run or feel freezy inside. So yeah. you just want to make sure you're covering that part. And if you cover your mouth and your nose, you've retained some of that heat on your face as
1: well. Yeah. And there's plenty of different kinds of hats out there to sort of fit your you need if you aren't a big hat person. Most of the winter hats that I have are the the Russian Ushanka hats. Right. I have a couple of those from when I went to Russia.
2: Which are very warm. Um,
1: which are very warm and they have flaps that can come down and tie down over your ears. So those are very helpful. You
2: can get hats in a lot yeah. of different places but there are also places like Land's End or L.L. L. Bean that sell has and, well, they sell coats to certain temperatures, like neg- it was good till 13 or whatever. Mm-hmm. They sell good hats. I don't know that they rate them through temperature, but they yeah. sell good
1: One, Well, and you want to make sure that you spring for good clothing and good equipment if you're going to go on a hike in winter. Especially a long hike or a hike at high elevation. If it's going to be a short hike just through your local forest or something, maybe you have to worry about that a little less but if it's going to be a little longer, it's going to be a little harder, you want to make sure that you get good equipment because right. it's, it's worth it to right. retain, your body heat. retain your body heat and right. your personal safety. It's a lot of fun to go with other people. You know, obviously, if you're going by yourself, make sure that somebody knows where you're going, how long you're going to be out. But I do enjoy hiking in winter by myself sometimes because you can really be sort of enveloped in in the environment and sort of the quiet of everything around you.
2: Which is a wonderful place to be. It is. A few weeks ago we had a snowfall which was about six inches. I thought it was maybe a little more but the opinion (laughs) around me is about six inches. One of the things I love after a snowfall is how quiet the world seems. Like Cole was talking about going on a hike and how it can just kind of envelop you that's that quiet beautiful scenic kind of part of winter as it turns out that isn't just perception that is actually what's occurring and it will occur with as little as an inch of snow so this happens after a snowfall
0: but why <laughs> but why <laughs> why is, why is it
2: quieter after it snows why
1: does it do that no
2: there are three reasons i found but the consensus seems to be the first of the three I'll mention the other two briefly. But apparently sound waves are absorbed by the snowy surface of the ground. So when snow stacks up, it creates a porous surface that leaves space between the flakes. So the sound waves have less surface area to bounce off of. So the snow on the ground dampens the sound waves, like commercial sound absorption products you can buy. Oh,
1: that's really interesting. Acoustic foam.
2: Right? So... Right after the snowfall is when the sound absorption is going to be at its maximum. Once the snow hardens or starts melting, the sound waves have more surface area to bounce off of and the effect is diminished. Now the second possibility, and this again, the second and third are much less likely or less of an impact is probably a better way to say that. The second possibility for the quiet is the temperature. Apparently sound tends to curve toward colder air which is denser, making the sound travel more slowly. So when snow falls, we normally have warmer air near the surface of the ground and colder air above it, which means the sound wave will curve up away from the land.
0: Oh, that is interesting, I didn't realize that.
2: And then the third thing is that during a snowfall, sound waves can be scattered a little bit by the snow itself. Since snowflakes are small, this is really not going to have a lot of impact, but there is a small effect. During the snowfall itself On WashingtonPost.com I came across something that stood out to me The Japanese word for snowfalling Is Shinshin The word shin means the absence of sound Where there was sound before oh. So in the article It said that shinshin is more silent Than silence Perhaps more feeling than anything else I thought that was very poetic that is, Yeah I really like that Now, for the quiet of winter, in addition to the physical quietness, I have on Pinterest a board that I had named Winter Wonderland. So I was looking at that as I was preparing for this podcast. All of the pins on that board, interestingly, are photos that I've saved that capture the quiet of winter via photo. I was looking at it and I thought, why does that appeal to me so much? And clearly, it appeals to others, too, given the photos available out there to pin onto my board that evoke that feeling. And for me, it brings the world to a stop. The silence of snow has a physical sound dampening component, but it also brings with it kind of the silence of peace and tranquility. Kind of like what the Japanese word for the snow was. Mm-hmm. We actually have photos of snowy scenes Throughout our house. <laughs> I was noticing that today. There are three
1: in this room. Right? <laughs> For zones.
2: So it definitely resonates with me. In general, I have a tendency to be busy. I like being productive, and I can spend a lot of time on a task or a project. On the other hand, I love the idea of a day in pajamas doing nothing, but in the normal course of life, I don't. I don't stop or even sometimes pause. So when snow comes through, it provides that opportunity. I don't have to decide, it's decided for me and for everyone else. It's at these times that I can just enjoy being. Over the years, Randy and I have gotten to know ourselves and each other, our personalities, strengths, weaknesses, interests, abilities. So Randy is a doer. He's also a planner. So our vacations are wonderful. They're planned out thoughtfully to be sure we're doing things that each of us wants to do. When we went to Scotland, he asked each of us to decide on something that we definitely wanted to see before we left. Do you guys remember what you each chose? I chose Loch Ness. I really wanted to go and see it, and it was
3: wonderful.
0: Yep. I chose uh, Hadrian's Wall. I wanted to see a local theater production. Oh, that's right. That's right. What oh, that's <laughs> and which we didn't see.
3: <laughs> yep. And it was
2: very fun. That's called, right. Do you remember what it was called? <clears throat>
3: Whiskey Kisses, whiskey kisses. Whiskey, kisses. <laughs> whiskey
0: kisses Yeah, Whiskey was the water of life
2: That's right <laughs> It was
0: very fun
2: It was And I chose a frolicking lamb
0: yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not just any lamb
2: It had to be frolicking Yes right. And that was the hardest thing to find It was But we did it and I have it on film
0: Right I got right. a
3: picture of it And picture We actually it. have and a picture filmed. of it
0: upstairs yes. Yeah but yeah, the um, lamb mid-frolic <laughs> we, were, we were coming back from Loch Ness Through the highlands And I just happened to stop at a place I needed to stretch my legs Because I think everybody was sleeping in the car Or tired mm-hmm. So I stopped and it ended up being a World War II Memorial But right next to it was a hill With lambs and sheep all mm-hmm. through it
2: Now normally lambs and sheep Unfortunately are pretty boring
1: <laughs> yeah
0: they are. we
2: found in scotland that they were a lot of slow walking and that's yes. pretty much it and yes. eating
0: and chomping, and yeah. chomping. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so chomping so when we got there we got out of the car it was a beautiful Except scene, of oh scene because goodness. of the, going up to the mountains of the highlands so there was yes. snow on the top really pretty
2: beautiful gorgeous yeah and i remember standing by the fence and i actually was the one to get the picture too right so for me it was like Check, check, check. Yep. So it was perfect.
0: Yeah, I had to pay a lot of money to get those lambs to do that.
2: <laughs> okay, guys. She's coming.
0: <laughs> a lot of special grass. We each get two things
2: of hay if you... <laughs> so that's what I chose. So we had a lot of fun with those things. And Randy's not rigid, so we got to experience some surprises, too. Which was good for me because too much structure can drive me crazy. So do you remember some unplanned times that we had in Scotland?
1: Uh, I think the hermitage was unplanned. We went to a hermitage out in the... It was near the, it was highlands. the highlands. It was near yeah, the hermitage. Highlands, yeah. yeah. A hermitage close to the Highlands. So that was more or less a long walk in the woods. And it
0: was like a fairyland. It, it was am so see. amazing. If, yeah.
3: If you have ever watched The Lord of the Rings, and if you have ever seen the Shire where the hobbits lived, it was almost as picturesque at certain places as yep. the Shire. And as peaceful.
2: And I think... Randy actually played some music. He from did. <laughs> <laughs> we were walking through and it was gorgeous and the music was playing. It was very fun. So, bringing it back around to Randy, which a lot of my stuff comes back around to. So, Randy is a doer and he uses his gifts for good and not for evil. I, on the other hand, am a beer. Like we, I know it sounds funny
1: I, I am a beer too I enjoy some beer No,
2: no, 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 no Different, different beer <laughs> So when we were on the coast of Maine I could have sat there for hours I didn't because our time isn't all about me But it's my natural tendency So when snow falls And we're all trapped at home For me it's one of those wonderful times Of the world stopping for a little bit It evokes feelings of peace Tranquility, contentment—whether inside and warm in front of a fireplace or outside walking in the snow—I look forward to those quiet times, which is one of the reasons I love winter.
0: That is awesome.
1: It is because there's. It's great when there's snow outside and sort of yeah, no pressure to do anything because it's a very peaceful time when you can just sit there. Now, for some of us, it's a time when snow is coming down and. In the back of our mind, there's sort of this little voice that's saying, you're going to have to go out and shovel that off the driveway. <laughs> or,
0: or plow it
1: off the driveway, yeah. Right, with the tractor. Right. Um, but you sort of have to find that time to enjoy the moment. And it's a lot and easier to do when sort of there's fresh snowfall out.
2: Right. And I know for me, sometimes going out and shoveling the sidewalk, mm-hmm. it's still nice. You're so out in the... Nice, quiet, and it's still snow, and it's still a fun thing. I don't do it a lot. Cole usually does it, but it's less fun for me. (laughs) It's less (laughs) fun for you. (laughs) So that is it for me.
0: (laughs) So switching gears a little bit, switching gears completely.
3: Yes, from not only a place that doesn't normally get snow, but to a different sort of fun. In the form of festivities. A a
1: not-so-quiet fun. Right,
3: right. So I will be talking today about Mardi Gras. So a couple years ago, I had the good fortune of visiting New Orleans for a conference. Specifically, it was for the Society of Human Resources. And I got to go there. I got to travel around New Orleans, kind of visiting the sites. And I really liked the atmosphere and... The architecture and all that, and I got really curious about Mardi Gras and and their traditions. So, Mardi Gras, what is it? Mardi Gras is a tradition that dates back thousands of years to pagan celebrations of spring and fertility. Mardi Gras is French for Fat Tuesday. Mardi is the French word for Tuesday, and Gras means fat. In France, the day before Ash Wednesday came to be known as Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. During my research. In the days leading up to Lent, people would stuff themselves with food that they necessarily wouldn't be able to eat during Lent. Or right. in today's society, you know, if you give up chocolate, you would kind of right. binge eat on chocolate, such as chocolate cake, before Oh, that's Lent. funny. So, so thus, it's, like, Tuesday. Yeah, it's like
1: getting all of your, it's like eating enough Lent. Right. Before Lent.
3: Right, exactly. And that's, that's like 40 days, right? Yes. That's so 40 damage. days
0: worth of chocolate.
3: <laughs> I mean, you gotta it's get that. That's Fat it Tuesday. I <laughs> <guess. I know. laughs> so Mardi Gras takes place on the day before Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent. As mom stated, there is a 40 day period that precedes Easter. As the date of Easter changes each year, so does the date of Mardi Gras. The earliest date. Mardi Gras can be is Tuesday, the 3rd of February and the latest date is Tuesday, nine March. The 9th
2: of March.
3: So today I will be discussing also the history of Mardi Gras in New Orleans, specifically in New mm-hmm. Orleans. So according to the History Channel, but also numerous sources that will say the same thing, the first American Mardi Gras took place on March 3rd, 1699 when French explorer... Pierre Le Monnier.
1: Those French explorers and their nine names. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now here they start out with a good name, awesome. Pierre. Pierre Le Monnier, Ziverville. I apologize if I mispronounced that. Landed near present-day New Orleans, Louisiana. They held a small celebration and dubbed their land spot Point du Mardi Gras. In decades that followed, New Orleans and other French settlements began marking the holiday with street parties, masked balls, and lavish dinners. When the Spanish took control of New Orleans, they abolished these rowdy rituals, and the bans (laughs) remained in force until Louisiana became a U.S. state in 1812.
0: Spanish were kind of killjoys of (laughs) the colonial world. So basically, once... The United States took over. Then all the people that had been dying to have a Mardi Gras kind of came out of the woodworks and, and could kind do of, it again. Yeah. reinstituted it. Yeah, on Mardi
3: Gras in 1827, a group of students donned colorful costumes and danced through the streets of New Orleans. So your answer is yes. <laughs> 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 Emulating the revelry they would observed while visiting Paris. Ten years later, the first recorded New Orleans Mardi Gras parade took place a tradition that continues to this day. In 1857, I thought this part was very interesting. A secret society of New Orleans businessmen called the Mystic Crew of Comas organized a torchlit Mardi Gras procession with marching bands and rolling floats, setting the tone for future public celebrations in the city. Which oh, still yeah.
0: happens today as well.
3: Yes. And in 1875, the governor signed the Mardi Gras Act which first made Fat Tuesday a legal holiday in Louisiana. So it is still oh, a legal state holiday in Louisiana. That's interesting.
0: And yeah. they get off that day?
3: Yes, yeah, so local businesses that... They have a lot of binging to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
3: Local businesses that I guess aren't deemed as crucial to be open on that day do close. And people can go and celebrate then. So Mardi Gras today. Mardi Gras is about music, parades, floats, and more. So I do want to specify between Mardi Gras and the carnival, right? So right now I'm talking about Mardi Gras. People say the carnival and Mardi Gras interchangeably, but they're different things.
1: So carnival in this context, some places will pronounce it carnival, like in very famous... Brazilian carnival—that's and, right—and right. that kind of thing in a lot of Latin American countries. Yeah, she's yes. not referring to just a local. She's carnival. not referring to like a local carnival. It's no. carnival with a capital C. Yes, yeah. exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. It's in other countries, the carnival.
3: <laughs> other countries celebrate slightly differently as well. That's right. The carnival takes place on Epiphany and leads up to Mardi Gras.
2: Oh, okay. That's a precursor to Mardi Gras.
3: It kind of leads like up to and then into Mardi Gras. Oh, okay. Mardi Gras is just a single day, specifically the day before Ash Wednesday. So the official colors of the carnival season and Mardi Gras, in New Orleans specifically, are gold, purple, and green. Gold represents power, purple for justice, and green for faith. As I was doing some research, I found this really good website. It's called MardiGrasNewOrleans.com, and here it says...
1: You'd think they'd know their stuff then. They've oh, got yeah. The name for uh-huh.
3: Here they say that people wear costumes, or at least dress in purple, green, and gold, and adorn themselves with long beads caught from floats of previous parades. You'll see a lot of crazy costumes. Kids with their families are everywhere. And both local and visitors have a great time. Parade-goers will sit on the ground, throw balls, play music, eat great food, and watch crowds walk by between parades. Another thing that occurs during the parades are something called throws. Throws are exactly what they sound like. Items that crew members on floats throw to parade goers as the floats pass by. Throws often include doubloons, beads, cups, homemade trinkets toys and more so i have heard that you have to be careful when you're picking these things up especially the things like the balloons that's great yes because as you are bending down to pick them up someone may be stomping on said doubloon to get it so you just have to be careful with your fingers yeah because it's like a scramble to
1: get these tossed these thrown things yes
3: yes exactly interesting there are also Mardi Gras balls. Most of the balls are a formal and private affair for the crew. The definition of a crew is, at least in the U.S., an organization or association that stages a parade or other event for a carnival celebration. Crews are associated especially with Mardi Gras in New Orleans. So the king and queen of each crew work all year long for the big spectacular ball. Their identity is a closely guarded secret and part of the mystique until the night of the ball. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so it's, it's a fun event, fun time for the family, like all kinds of people have parties. They have this thing called king's cake where they make a cake, hide a little trinket in the cake, and whoever finds the trinket in the cake either has to host the next party or... Or buy the next king's cake for (laughs) next year. Right. So if
1: you really don't want to do either, then just avoid the cake until it's found.
3: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or cut the cake. Yeah, yeah. Or cut the cake, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So it all sounds fun. As with any party, there are some times where it can be a little inappropriate.
1: So right. which definitely, I think of as definitely heard mean, of that right. in terms yes. of Mardi Gras.
3: Yeah, so I have done research on it and definitely do your research before you go if you would like to go. There are certain places that you would want to avoid. There are a lot of locals that love Mardi Gras, love the carnival, love everything about it, and don't really like associating themselves with the inappropriateness and kind of there are different things online that Tell you what to avoid and yeah. where to avoid. I imagine
1: involved. especially if you're, you've are you got your family with you or exactly. So there are ways to
0: make it family friendly?
3: There are. And it okay. sounds like it is very, it's supposed to be a very family friendly event. There are lots of pictures online with kids with all kinds of beads and trinkets and family, whole families watching the parades and all the floats and just having fun at their parties. So it, it looks like a lot of fun. But definitely do your research, pan. If someone's from New Orleans that you know of, definitely talk to them about that as well. They can even do some pointers. I went in the summertime a couple years back for this HR event, and I even saw some you know inappropriate things there that related to Mardi Gras, <laughs> but it wasn't Mardi Gras, so I was like, <laughs> right. okay, huh? That's interesting. Were your your <laughs>
1: HR senses tingling? Yeah. <laughs> You're like this would not be okay in the workplace. <laughs> <Right>? Yes.
3: Yes. <laughs> Um,
1: if this was a work party, woo,
3: <laughs>
1: that would be a different uh, situation.
3: Absolutely. So, there are many things to enjoy about the day of Mardi Gras and the carnival season. Be sure to look it up online, see what you can find, and I'd like to go at some point.
1: And enjoy the party.
3: Yes. Enjoy the appropriate part of the party. Yep.
1: Enjoy <laughs> getting
0: fat on Fat Tuesday. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> yes. that's right. Or binging Absolutely on like Fat it. Tuesday. That's
3: right. Yes.
0: So, Mardi Gras is coming up this year, right? That's right. On March... It's the day before Ash Wednesday. hmm Ash Wednesday's is on March 6th, so that would be March 5th. There we go. That is Mardi Gras this year. So someone who never did go to Mardi Gras is Paul Bunyan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's shocking. he was shocking. always in the North
0: and not in the South. So on episode two... On episode three of our second season, I talked about the Tooth Fairy. And while I was doing some research on the Tooth Fairy... One of the sites came up with talking about legends of America. And that reminded me of teaching the kids about the legends of America, like Paul Bunyan, John Henry, Johnny Appleseed. That's right. Big John, or Big Bad John, as I remembered him. And I wanted to do a little research for today's episode on Paul Bunyan. So there are many legends that are based on America or North America, And they are not that old of legends. They're a few hundred years old. Unlike some of those legends we've heard other holiday things come out of in the past, these legends are more recent. So the legend of Paul Bunyan is about the era of the lumberjacks. So in the late 1800s, early 1900s, as the United States pushed further west with our settlements, there was a lot of need for lumber. So in Canada and in the northern states, from Maine all the way to Oregon, there was a lot of lumberjacking going on. And one of the legends was of a man, a large giant of a man named Paul Bunyan, who was a lumberjack and could do these amazing feats with his big axe and his sidekick, Babe, the big blue ox, who's also big. So very, very big. (laughs) And this legend has a lot of forms. For instance, I wondered how tall was Paul Bunyan, because you see him a lot of different heights. Yeah. So the shortest I saw him listed as in the legends was seven feet tall. But in some of these legends, he is ginormous. Like he is like... Like 20 feet? Yeah, like bigger, like oh, stories tall. I okay. mean, he's like a building... Like tall. towering above the trees. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Tall. Right. Um, so So he's got a lot of different types of sizes and history associated with him. So, some of the things I was wondering about is this legend based on a person. So, believe it or not, historians like Cole believe that Bunyan was based in large part on two lumberjacks. The first being a French-Canadian timberman named Fabian Fournier who moved south and got a job as a foreman of a logging crew in Michigan after the Civil War. So, again, that 1875-ish kind of time frame. He was actually a six foot tall person This real person was And he had giant hands And he was considered Very tall for the time And he had the nickname Saginaw Joe He was rumored to have two complete sets Of teeth So two tops, two bottoms So In his mouth? He, like was his mouth. <laughs> he was like a shark Which he used <laughs> to bite off hunks of wooden rails In his spare time He enjoyed drinking and brawling
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> some good, good uh,
0: American foot. Yep. So one November night in 1875 Fournier was murdered In a notoriously rowdy lumber town Of Bay City, Michigan It was a sensational trial For his alleged killer Who was actually acquitted Was not convicted But that fueled tales of Saginaw Joe's Rough and tumble life Some of those tales were pretty big right? <laughs> and they kind of remind you Of some of the Tales that are said about Paul Bunyan to some extent. And Saginaw Joe was in logging camps across Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and beyond. So over time, those pieces of legend merged with another French Canadian lumberman named Bon Jean. Jean had played a prominent role in this lumberjack rebellion of 1837 when loggers and other men. In a small town in Canada, revolted against the British regime of the newly crowned Queen Victoria. The French pronunciation of Jean's full name is believed to have evolved into the surname Bunyan. So it seems like those two things kind of combined together to create Paul Bunyan mm-hmm. and to start the legends of Paul Bunyan on their way. So that revolt was in the newspapers across Canada and the United States and led to further the knowledge of that person and the legends associated with what became Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan has a lot of legends about the landmarks he was involved and connected to, right? So when you think about Paul Bunyan, you may think about the Mississippi River. So one day, Paul Bunyan was leading his ox babe down a treacherous road with a heavy tank of water in tow. And the container sprung a leak which trickled southward across the countryside and eventually formed the mighty Mississippi River. That is hilarious. That is great. Right. So this is like the scale of the effect that Paul Bunyan had on the country. So it gives you, this is not the seven foot tall Paul right. Bunyan. I'm, yeah, right. Well, get this one. This is a much larger Babe, very large water. So exactly. Babe owes his distinctive hue to his coloring, to a bizarre meteorological event called the Winter of the Blue Snow, in which, as the name implies, loggers and their countrymen endured an entire season of bright blue snowflakes, which changed Babe's color permanently. Later in the year, while braving through a storm in search of firewood, Paul absentmindedly drugged his heavy axe behind him, Carving one of the world's seven natural wonders in the process, the Grand Canyon. (laughs) Wow. So now you've got the Mississippi River and the Grand Canyon. So another thing that Paul Bunyan did was that while walking through upstate New York, he was on a hike, maybe a winter hike. Maybe he was all onioned up. Maybe. (laughs) He tripped, and as he fell, he threw his hands down to break his fall. And this inadvertently carved out the aptly named Finger Lakes. So imagine how big Uh, your hands have to be to create lakes. He was unable to find a suitable watering hole for his favorite bovine, Babe. (laughs) So he carved five of his own in the upper Midwest, which became the Great Lakes. So those are pretty big watering holes. So he created every natural... (laughs) Right. uh, (laughs) right. One last one. While trekking through Minnesota one winter, Babe and Paul left a myriad of gigantic footprints known throughout the state as the 10,000 Lakes. To his modern denizens so those are just a sampling of what paul and babe were able to do during that time frame and the effect he had on the country so there's lots of great stories about paul and babe in books and in movies so a few other things about paul his clothing was so large that they had to use wagon wheels for buttons wow <laughs> yeah yeah They used a lumber wagon drawn by a team of oxen as a baby carriage. When he outgrew this, his parents put him on a raft off the coast of Maine. And it said that, rocking in his sleep, he caused huge waves which sunk many ships.
3: (laughs) How unfortunate. Yes, very unfortunate.
0: So, The Legend of Paul Bunyan was first published in a book in about 1947. It was in 1958 that Walt Disney Studios produced... A series of shorts about the legends of America, which included Paul Bunyan, and it featured Thurl Ravenscroft, who's better known for, as the voice of Tony the Tiger in the Kellogg's commercials for Frosted Flakes, and he was nominated for an Academy Award for that short film. Do you guys remember that film? I do. We do. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember who else? Which other animated shorts were in there? I remember there was Johnny Appleseed and John Henry. Right.
1: Yes. And there was one more. Which one was that? Was it John Jones? Was that his name? Yeah, so I just looked it up on my phone. It was John Luther Jones was the Brave Engineer. So this is like an sort of an anthology, right, film. Sort of a The one that we saw was a group of these shorter films, and this group came out in 2002. But it's for shorter films. Right. One of which was Paul Bunyan. Right. And it's interesting, because I don't remember a lot of what I saw when I was younger, but I remember this one very
0: vividly. Right. Like Paul Bunyan, Johnny Appleseed, uh, John Henry, all of these ones. Yes. Disney produced all of those. And even as recently as 2017, there was an animated film based loosely on the folktale uh, Paul Bunyan and Babe that starred John Goodman as Paul Bunyan it was a cartoon, but oh. it was you know, recent. And there are many statues of Paul Bunyan and Babe. The most famous statue of Paul Bunyan is 31 feet tall, made of concrete and metal, and stands in um, a neighborhood of Portland, Oregon, since 1959. But there are many, many different statues from Maine all the way across to yeah. Oregon. I think there is a very famous one in Bangor, Maine. There is. And there's also a Paul Bunyan Logging Camp Museum in euclair wisconsin so there's a number of places that you can see paul bunyan um, information and stories apparently all you have to do is go to the finger lakes or the grand canyon <laughs> right. or, or the mississippi to right. see sort of
1: his handiwork uh, yeah it's the handiwork of paul bunyan right yeah. exactly
3: i remember reading a book and i still remember how big he was depicted in the pictures and how um, at one point they made pancakes and i could see all the fully grown men sliding off of these big ginormous pancakes that Paul was about to eat. Just how how huge he was compared to buildings and I don't know. That
2: was just really, it was just a fun, fun legend, fun
3: story. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it was fun.
2: When Deb brought this up, you both enjoyed talking about the legends mm-hmm. and how much you enjoyed the and videos. And it is.
1: The the yeah. And the, sort of one of the nice thing is that, see, these, these are American fairy tales, which is cool, and they're not quite as grim as the German <laughs> fairy tales exactly. that we are often exposed to. <laughs> right. They're a lot more like, oh, he drug his axe behind him and made a canyon, not an old lady wants to eat some children <laughs> 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 in
0: the woods. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is nice. Close. Yeah. That is awesome. awesome. yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. So that uh, does it for today's Topics switching gears i will talk about the future festivities for the week of february 25th so there was actually no significant holiday on february 25th so that's an open date if somebody wants to push for something that you know they <laughs> haven't had they they can do that with Congress. Hey, Paul Bunyan Day, though there is actually a Paul Bunyan Day in <laughs> oh. June. Yeah, so sorry. But
3: but I will say I saw that Coffee Day was in September. So if there are coffee lovers that want to push for a second Coffee Day within a the year, coffee. maybe a Latte Day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Cappuccino Day. Mm-hmm.
0: So the twenty sixth of February is Carnival Day, but that is the regular Carnival Day, like going to a carnival. Like local Carnival. Not, yes, not, carnival, car- day. not carnival, you can make 25th carnival Day, not Carnival. Make twenty fifth Carnival Day, but I feel like carnival is probably carnival i actually had to double check that because when it said carnival day and you were talking about carnival coming up right before ash wednesday fat Mm. tuesday i thought oh this must be related but the date was wrong so carnival day is celebrating going to carnivals your local carnivals and it's always the 26th of february 27th of february is no brainer day 28th of February is National Tooth Fairy Day. Again, hearkening back to the other episode we had, National Tooth Fairy Day. March 1st is Peanut Butter Lover's Day. Ooh. Congratulations, on the like Peanut Butter.
2: Fudge there. <laughs>
0: March 2nd is Old Stuff Day.
1: So is that like Parent Appreciation Day? <laughs> <laughs> old Stuff uh, day. It's not Old People Day, it's Old Stuff Day. So that's like a, I feel like that's a fun nickname. I might start
0: calling you that. Old <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> and then uh, March third is National Anthem Day, so celebrating the day we we created the national anthem. Very for our scary country. if you're a football player. <laughs> <laughs> so just a reminder, you can follow us on social media for Twitter at holiday underscore moons for Instagram at holiday moons one word. Our Facebook page you can find by searching for Holiday Moons, one word. And you can visit us on our website at site.com slash holidaymoons. And you can contact us via Gmail at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Cole,
2: Beth, Sydney,
0: and Randy, see Sydney you next week. week.
2: Happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs>